Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the status quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. All right, we're here at the Libertarian Christian Institute booth at Freedom Fest. I'm with Robert Enlow, and we are going to talk about school choice and how it impacts Christians, how it impacts Christian schools. He is the president and CEO of Ed Choice. I think this is sort of like the legacy of Milton Friedman, right? Correct. You have yeah. Milton Friedman on your on your shirt. I, I do. So yeah, Milton and Rose Friedman started the foundation in 1996, and we were called the Milton and Rose Friedman Foundation all the way through to 2016. Okay, okay. And then he asked us to change his name because he believed that uh, he couldn't control his name from beyond the grave, and so we respected his wishes. Yeah, that's excellent. So I was talking to somebody earlier in the conference, and they said that one of the reasons he wanted to focus on school choice is that during his lifetime, not as much was done on that. Correct. Uh, and he wanted to really, you know, I guess, dive in or double down on something that was obviously really important to him. That's exactly right. So when he started the foundation, he said school choice, or back then what was called school choice, which we call educational freedom now, because that's really what it is. It's the only Are you issue. doing like the global warming to climate change No, no, it, it, no, but it is true because he would not, it, Milton <laughs> wouldn't call it school choice, right? Milton would call it parental freedom and, parental, okay, yeah, and yeah. educational well, choice that's what it and, is. and yeah, educational yeah. liberty, right? School choice is a problem because it becomes school against school and that's what we don't believe in, right? But Milton said, here's the idea. We haven't had any issues. All of our issues have been taken up in America except our educational freedom issues. And mm-hmm. so we want to do something about yeah, that. Yeah. Started us. And when we started in 1996, there were only two states and two cities with school choice programs. And when he died, well, in the time since, we have 78 programs operating in 32 states in D.C. So what makes growing. something what makes something a school choice state or city or district? So the goal is to have all the dollars set aside for the children to go to whatever option they want. So if it's one of the great traditional public schools, that's fine. You shouldn't be stopped by a barrier. You shouldn't be required to only go in one district. You should go to any public school, right? And the money should follow you. Same thing in a charter school. And the same thing to non-public schools or micro schools or online schools Mm -hmm, or anything mm -hmm. we haven't thought of. Basically, we believe in an educated public and we believe in educating the public through taxpayer dollars. And we believe that parents should be free to choose wherever they want to go. Yeah. On the battle of public dollars shouldn't be paying for school. Where do you, where, how do you, so look, in the end that's of the, obviously a, yeah. a lot of libertarians are going to get, what do you say to them? So at the end of the day, you have to get me from here to there, right? So we have a system that's been a monopoly for a long time where public dollars are running government run institutions, right? And so that monopoly over time has to be broken down through parental freedom. Right now, if you have the ability to move a house or if you can pay for tuition, you can get choice. What if you can't do that? Most of the country is not wealthy. They can't move easily. And so school choice or educational choice is the bridge between basically saying government-run monopoly and true freedom and true power. It's the bridge. It's from here from there, here to there. One thing about this whole movement that has really bothered me is that the left doesn't seem to see that this is providing basically equality of opportunity and not almost not just opportunity, but almost equality of outcome. I don't want to use that too strongly, but the outcome is that poor people can go to schools that rich people can go to, or maybe not the ultra rich, but at least moderately well off. A lot of the Democrats and many Republicans believe in school choice for me, but not for thee. And that's a problem, right? And so school, the idea of educational freedom breaks that down tremendously, right? And we don't care whether they're Republican or Democrats. We care that parents have choice. And if you're poor, you just don't have a lot of it. Okay. So then I've heard the patronizing mostly on the left, but these parents, they're going to be duped and hoodwinked 
shamed by the well to, to them the right or or special interest into going schools that they don't know how to choose and it's basically a, a sort of like look down on the poor and can't make their own decisions kind of look outlook yeah, but most patronizing I, thing i've ever heard it, in 27 it is, years and, right? and how do you respond with something that's a little bit more than just like you're being patronizing look in the eyes of a black single mother who's now making a choice and she's been making a choice because she couldn't do it before in the state of Indiana or the state of Florida or the state of Arizona yeah. and watch their kids going to college for the first time. Yeah. That's the proof. Yeah. Okay. Right, when these families are making good choices over time and when the evidence shows that they're making good choices over time, all the data shows that, right? And so we can show them data, we can show them stories and they still don't like it because they just don't believe that parents should be free to choose. They yeah. don't trust parents. Yeah, no, I agree. So what about the kids whose friends' parents took them out of that school? Now he's alone. School has maybe less money. It's a government-run school. Public school is the euphemism. What about those kids? The left-behind kids is the idea that all the, I guess it would be sort of like the intelligent flight or whatever. Like yes. I get, I've heard that a lot by some people who've actually studied these things, and I'm like, I didn't know what to say to her. It doesn't happen. Ago, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So look, first of all, if you're unhappy with your school, you're going to leave. If you're happy with your school, you're not going to leave, right? So the right. reality is, is families aren't going to leave unless the school's not providing them with something that they need, right? Okay. And so when they do leave, they're wanting something different. Now, what we do know incontrovertibly from the data is that when a child leaves a public school in a voucher program, right? So they go from one public to a private. The public schools in those areas get better faster. They do better on test scores. It's called competitive effects. And 26 out of 29 studies show that public schools get better and get better faster in areas of school choice. Yeah. This is what happens, right? Competition tends to work. Yeah, absolutely. What are some ways that you have helped convince people? I mean, do you use data? You use stories? You use both? How does that uh, work in terms of You have to do everything, right? You have to do everything, right? So first of all, I believe like going to the well, right? You have to be like Jesus meeting the woman at the well. You have to meet them where they are. Yeah. You have to go to them, work with them, live with them and understand who they are and then have the conversation. Yeah. And so the best way to convince people is to actually try and understand where they're coming from and understand what they think. Yeah. And then the next best way is sometimes it's through their heart, sometimes it's through their mind. It's different all the time. But the weight of the evidence is just super strong. And the logic of it is super strong too. I mean, yeah. just think about the logic, right? It's intuitive too. Yeah. So you're telling me that you are okay with keeping a system that keeps people basically surrounded surrounded and enslaved by boundaries. And it's called, if you're a Democrat, think about it this way. I can use the language of educational freedom in the same way for Republicans and Democrats. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We believe that parents should be free to choose because in an environment where parents are free to choose, we have a global competitive marketplace and a rising tide lifts all boats, mm -hmm. right? Here's how you approach the Democrat. Are you telling me that the system of education has not been oppressive for families, particularly black and brown families for hundreds of years now? Are you telling me that the structure of education in America is not in a singularly systemically oppressive situation? And if you believe that, then you should make sure that people are free to choose and be less oppressed. And so the argument for freedom in this case can be made both ways across all of the parties using their language. This is reminding me that there's some sort of like accusation of redlining that could be Massive. sort of going here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about the the banking. I mean, this all redlining started in the 1934 banking thing. And the, if you actually overlay redlining districts from the Banking Act with public school districts, they're almost the same. Okay. They're almost the same. So, yeah. So there's your Democrat appeal. Like, correct. are you in favor of redlining? Yes, correct. Oh, just then for financial stuff. Yeah. Are, right. you, uh, are you in favor? Well, we got to fund these schools more. Yeah, but that means your kids can go to the good schools in the suburban areas and these kids can't. Yeah, yeah. That seems to me not very good so, uh, moral way to think of. So how are Christian schools 
Well, actually, before I get to that, there seems to be a new wave of educational freedom that's happening. Yep. And in part, probably stimulated by COVID, okay, and the pandemic and the policies that were going on there. I mean, it changed the way my wife and I have done things with our kids, although we were already in the, like, we'll pick and choose as we go and craft an educational journey for each of our kids in the way that suits them at their age levels. We have the ability to do that. I know not everybody has the ability to do it. We just talked about all this, right? What's the most recent news and good news, I should say, about what's happening out there? So the good news is after 27 years of working, the tip of the iceberg is now above the water line. Yes. And you've seen universal choice in now nine states. So every family can choose in Florida, in West Virginia, in Ohio, in Indiana, in Iowa, in Utah, in Arkansas. We're now making this a nationwide movement in Arizona where basically every child can go to whatever system they want. And this is amazing news, right, for families. And because people, what the pandemic did, look, it was already a movement that was happening. The pandemic supercharged it, is what I say. Because I think when I grew up, I had a common understanding of K-12 education. My mom went to a school building. She sat in the building for 12 years, and that was the thing. And I did the same thing. When the pandemic happened, everyone became an educator. You and your wife became an mm-hmm, educator mm-hmm. overnight, right? And then you saw what was happening to your kids on, online and in the school system. And parents had a new common cultural connection with education that they'd never had before. And that is changing the way that families are consuming education. Our polling that we do every month shows that about half of the families are okay with their kid being out of school one day a week, and about 40% are okay with being educated at home two days a week. Okay. The changing nature of work, the pandemic, is changing the way we deliver education in America. How is this affecting Christian schools? Tremendously. So look, as you probably You can take that both ways. Tremendously positively? Yeah, I think it's tremendously positively. Also, there's challenges, right? So let's look. So the most important challenge for Christian education, in my opinion, is to make sure it keeps its character. Right? And it keeps its essential core, right? It cannot compromise on the faith that it has and the faith that it serves, right? And it should not. And so that's why our organization fights really hard for laws that do not infringe upon the school's right to teach religion, right? And educate and have the right to admit the kids that they would like to admit, right? Yeah. We want admissions policy to be scrolled by schools. But it's a challenge. The other challenge that happens, look, you know who wants to go to private schools? All the families who haven't been able to afford a private school. So it does create different cultural conversations inside mm-hmm. schools. And so schools need to be ready for that, right? Let's be honest. Schools need to be ready to take kids that they're not used to taking. And if they do that and they agree to do that, then they have to be aware of what they need to do to learn that. But I will tell you what happened in the state of Indiana I will, when the choice program happened in 2011. Private schools were going to be gone in five years. They were going to be down to like three or four percent. Because, wow, okay. because charter schools were coming in and taking kids away from them. Public schools were coming in and people couldn't afford them. There was a huge, as you know, recession. They were losing kids. As you know, nationally, they were losing kids all the time. In Indiana, the private schools are now thriving, particularly religious private schools. Mm. They're growing. They're allowing their buildings to get bigger. And now I look at the new wave of education, like micro-schooling, which you may have heard of. I look at it as like a new version of church planning. Okay. Right? Why can't you school plant? Right? Why yeah. can't your church school plant? Yeah. Right? And so I think it's a real opportunity to spread those Christian schools that are out there, the many good ones. Hey, folks, I just want to take a break from our episode to ask you to consider becoming an LCI insider. We want everyone to feel engaged and excited about what LCI is doing. And the best way to do that is if you become a monthly supporter at $20 or more per month, you will become what we're calling our LCI insiders. You get some free gifts. You get an exclusive Christ is King magnetic lapel pin. We give you two copies of Faith Seeking Freedom. We send monthly eBooks months ahead of when they're released on our public website. You can get discounts on our swag on our online store, and you get exclusive invites to our quarterly live streams with the LCI staff. 
in addition to that, whenever we do publish something like a physical book like Strangers with Candy, we'll also send you those as well. So the best way to stay up to date on what we're doing and to support what the Libertarian Christian Institute is doing, including supporting the podcast you're listening to right now, is to become an LCI insider. So to do that, go to libertarianchristians.com slash donate and then choose recurring monthly gift and you'll be added to our list automatically. Thank you for your support and I'll let you get back to the podcast. So one of the challenges I think that a lot of people will come back at you and say, well, okay, so we're going to be sending public dollars, quote unquote, public dollars. Taxpayer to, dollars. Taxpayer dollars. There we go. Taxpayer dollars to schools. Yep. Separation of church and state, all those kinds of red flags that the left will use. Well, over you're, over. you're not accepting gay kids or you're not accepting trans kids or you're not teaching that contraception is yep. one way, is another way of. Yeah. Yeah. So the great thing about school choice or educational choice is we don't believe, and we shouldn't, particularly as libertarians, believe in the banning or mandating of anything. We should believe in the right of parents to be free to choose. And look, I want my child to be in a school that doesn't teach those things. And so, you know what? I'm going to go to a school that does that. And there are a lot of people who might want to have their child in a school that teaches African history in a different way. I'm okay with that. Right? The reality is, is choice allows for a freedom of choice, a true freedom of choice. And we shouldn't stop people from having that freedom to choose, right? So look, taxpayer dollars should go to families. First of all, the legal ruling is very simple. Taxpayer dollars do not go to schools, they go to families. It, right? The That's legal the, ruling where? The legal ruling in the U.S. Supreme Court okay. in, in Zelman v. Harris and in Carson v. Macon and Espinoza versus State of Montana. Okay. We, and we how are recent now are those? Carson and Espinoza were in the last five years. Okay. So the idea that school choice is constitutional is over and done federally. It's just already done. Yeah. Right? And so because the dollars flow to the families, you cannot discriminate on the status of the school or the use of the dollars that a parent uses them for. Okay. And so school choice is absolutely constitutional. So there might be legal battles, but those battles are, are, the state are undergirded. Well, and they're also undergirded by the Supreme Court ruling Correct. in some yeah. ways. So okay. if there's a legal battle, if okay. someone says it's not constitutionally legally, they just don't know the, the law. Well, and then you could also say, like, the other comeback there is like, well, no one's taking away your government school. That's correct. So that's open in the same way that you don't like that this particular school won't correct. accept a trans kid or whatever. Yeah, so look, let's be clear. I come from a blended family. My son went to Catholic school, and they accepted everything about him. And everything about my family. So, okay. and so, and that's great. That's what we chose. And that was an amazing environment, right? And I praise God that he was able to go there every day. Yeah. And so I think schools and parents should be free to choose across the spectrum, whether they choose that or they don't choose that, right? Yeah. Now, let's also look at those studies out there. Do you know who bullies trans kids more than any other type of school? No. Public schools. Okay. So the data from GLSEN, the Gay Straight Lesbian Education Network, which I keep, I'm saying on this network, right? Yeah, so, sure, sure. And they do a survey every year, a school climate survey, and children in public schools experience far more abuse than any other school type. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, so if you're going to argue yeah. that public dollars are going to go to private schools that will harm kids like that, the reality is, is what if you have schools that actually serve those kids better? I'm okay with that. Okay. Okay. Are you? Because I believe in freedom and liberty. Are you aware of the, and maybe this is too far afield, but are you aware of some of the movement in the critical race theory, the critical theory that are trying to infiltrate um, Absolutely. private schools? What is going on there and what do you think? Yeah, no, so those are most of the elite private schools. I hear a lot about it, okay. right? So, and, and they would not say it's critical race theory, they, which is an obscure legal theory taught in college, <laughs> is what they would say. Um, it's a praxis. To, it's and, not a and, theory and, only. <laughs> and, to, and to a degree, they're correct. Yeah, no. But the reality right. is it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes. And I say to my friends on all sides, I said, look, I believe in diversity. I absolutely want diversity in the world. And I believe in inclusion. I want inclusion. I think our fight should be over the word that matters 
which is equity versus equality. And Milton Friedman, I think, said it best. A society that puts equality above liberty gets neither. And a society yeah. that puts liberty above equity gets a large measure of both. Yeah. No, that's true. The equity piece is really kind of It's the fight. The thing. That's the fight. So you cannot get equity of out equality of outcomes. You just can't. You cannot do that. And to legislate that means you, it's a zero-sum game and you have to take from some to give to others. And I don't think that's a very libertarian or liberty-minded way of well, thinking. Well, it's not a moral way of thinking either. Clearly not a moral way either. <laughs> Man. Well, Robert, I really appreciate this conversation. Educational freedom. I'm going to stop using the word school choice. Thanks to you. I'm going to use educational freedom. I think that really is, I mean, we could obviously use both in sure. the context, but it's a really good term to use. It's been something that I've been, basically, I mean, I was passionate about this as a kid in the 90s because my sister was homeschooling in West Virginia oh, wow. and she didn't really run into much problems. We were a pretty easy state to do homeschooling. I did homeschooling for about a year and a half in high school. And so, but we believed in that because there was a growing movement of people who wanted to homeschool and there were some things that they had to overcome in terms of the paperwork stuff, mm -hmm. the, bureaucracy the bureaucracy stuff, right? So I've been a longtime fan of this concept nice. and uh, I really appreciate having this conversation with you because you've made a really clear case it's probably not going to be hard to make to my audience, of sure. course. But hearing how you put it succinctly in, what, 15 minutes of conversation, that's incredible. And that's really great. That. I really Thank appreciate you. this conversation. Well, I appreciate you and your audience and all the work you're doing. And here's to having more high-quality schools, particularly faith-based schools. Yep. There we go. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com. Oh,